Welcome to the Film Experience. This is the Oscar nomination night podcast. We're discussing with everybody, and I have Claudio. Hello, guys. Abe. Hello. Euro Cheese. Happy Oscar Day. Eric. Hey. And Mark. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it is Christmas. So we all had our favorite presents to open this morning. And mine was Worst Person in the World. Oh, my God. I was so excited about that original screenplay nomination. That is the correct answer. (laughs) It was so, and the thing is, too, a lot of places were kind of pretending it was out there, but it just made sense. And so when it came through, it was just, it was beautiful. It just totally made sense that they stood up for it. I don't think that was the category that people were predicting for that film. No. That was what was exciting about it. Yeah, they were thinking, like, best actress, which always to me seemed like way too hard of a get, considering the movie didn't even come out. Um, It's out now, so go see it now. But um, finally, but uh, like so many of the smaller distributors, they're always like, take their chances, and if they get nominated, they release. But then some of them do that thing where they release the weekend of the nominations and they don't get a nomination. So at least... You know, it paid off for them. Cyrano is never getting released. <laughs> yeah, because they kept pushing Cyrano back, so we'll see. And Mothering Sunday, why even do a qualifying release for that? What was the point of a qualifying <laughs> release for Mothering Sunday? Perhaps Eric, who works in the industry, can tell us. Is this all contractual? <laughs> no, but I do have a close friend who works at Sony classics and um you know they really stand by this strategy right and to your point nathaniel and your write-up today sometimes it really works i mean it worked for the father and it worked for penelope today and you know when it works they're not going to change it so i i still think parallel mothers could have possibly even done a little better had certain had it been released earlier and etc but one could argue that they released it right when everybody was looking for something new in a really chaotic race. And, you know, they, you know, that's how it is. We all know that, right? Viewers kind of, they don't, these people who vote don't love to be told how to vote. Um, And so you are looking for that last minute discovery. So you feel you discovered it. And I think that's psychologically where that strategy comes from. And they're very, um, bullish about it. My take on it is that it's always been very anti-moviegoer and that's my problem with it because you know they're always talking about Oscar you know all these conversations about the relevancy of the relevancy of the Oscars but if if people can't watch the movies that's like it's like begging for trouble. Well, it, only, it only helps right when you have like Anthony Hopkins or Penelope Cruz really famous people who are giving in- incredible undeniable sort of performances but you know, I mean, we've all talked about this a lot, but I feel that way about Come On, Come On and about Mass, that if those movies had come out in late summer, early September, where people could have watched them then and over time been like, wow, those were really good when I look back on them. But they were movies we all jammed in, like on January 4th, do you know? Uh, just yeah, so we- but they also did, those ones did risk coming out earlier. But it's like distribution is such a mess that, you know, nobody, you know, there's a, the, the ecosystem is no longer supporting limited releases. 
I've been warning. I like, I feel like a Cassandra about this. I've been, you know, shouting about this for 20 years. This is really bad for the health of movies. And I, I was right because like it becomes more and more niche the more you do that. Even critics become very weird about like awarding something that they loved like in the summer. But I didn't mean to start off slap on a bummer. I it was just something I was thinking about today. Um, because that did, you know, the qualifying release did pay off for worst person in the world. But, you know, I have heard a lot of angry people online about, you know, I have heard, heard from Academy members, like, why am I not allowed to see these movies that critics are talking about? I feel like that movie, if it had come out early, it would have had a better shot, shot at actress, actually. Um, yeah. About Coda. I mean, that one performed fairly well. And it had time for yeah. for people to see it and to percolate in the conversation. And I remember just, you know, a month or so ago, there was chatter about, you know, this one sort of, it's, the buzz is, is not, um, you know, where we thought it would be on it, but, you know, buzz can, t- buzz can come in waves. Yeah. And I think with that film, it crested at a really good time. And some of these other smaller films, I think, um, could have really benefited. I'm very happy about these nominations generally, and I don't usually say that. And why are you so happy, Claudia? Drive My Car got into Best Picture, a three-hour Japanese movie I love, but I thought that zero chances. Best Picture director, screenplay, and international feature. Flea got those three nominations, which I thought weren't going to happen. I'm more nega, but I'm happy that Buckley got in. I'm happy that Hall got a screenplay nomination for such a a thorny script. Uh, you know, things could have been much worse. <laughs> yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. I concur. I thought in on the whole, um, they really did it right. You know, there's, I mean, I think we can probably all agree the J.K. Simmons thing and the G.D. Dench thing are yawners, but they're not bonehead nominations. They're not Jared Leto. Or yeah, no, yeah, no Leto, no, like there's nobody that's like, wow, that is a dog of a nomination. Like they're not you can argue it, you know what I mean? There's nobody that's like bad. There's a lot of there's a lot of dull stuff, but what missed is more embarrassing than what got in. Like I think Ruth Nega missing is just like really fucking dumb, but it's not like anybody who got in was like embarrassing. Like, this isn't, like, oh, what if Richard E. Grant missed for Sam Rockwell in 2018? Like, this is, like, I get why everybody is here, even if it's a little bit in the abstract, but it's like, okay, yeah, I get why this person is here. Like, it's not Meryl Streep in Don't Look Up. <laughs> like, this could have... We dodged a bullet there, because there were yeah. people online, as there always are, rooting for Meryl Streep. Or even just, like, Mark Ryland like frog march like predicting like it's like all right she's in a movie that's gonna get a best picture nomination why not put her in there it's like all right you don't need to do that yeah and and no leto let's no leto. <laughs> i think underperforming gucci made me so happy i didn't even realize how much difference that made until it stopped showing up and then and it got makeup <laughs> which is totally deserved and then we could just move on and just give it that that's great <laughs> Who predicted something that was shocking? Did any of you? Um, I I knew that they weren't that Lady Gaga was not going to be nominated. I knew they wouldn't go for it. It's too erratic. It's too broad. And they um, 
there were too many other good choices this year. I knew Penelope was going to get in, even though, of course, I was worried about it, but I knew that she was. And this is where the Academy makes better choices than SAG or then they really do. And I, I hate to compliment this group as we all have our frustrations with them, but sometimes they pull through and they do find those little movies and those smaller things that are better um, that SAG voters overlook. So I just knew they weren't going to go for her and Leto. I don't know what it was, but I felt super confident about it from the beginning. And I like, I like Gaga in it. She's, she's the best performance in that movie, oh, for which, sure. is not, which is not saying anything, of course, but, <laughs> but, you know, and she has wonderful moments, but it's too broad and, and like Ridley Scott can't bring out in her what Bradley Cooper brought out in her. So Eric, I'm looking at your chart. You actually did predict five five in Best Actress. So congratulations! Congratulations! I'm here all week. <laughs> Anybody else want to brag about some category they predicted, Abe? I mean, mine are not quite as exciting. Um, and I think also Nathaniel, you predicted both of these things. Um, one is Ala Kachu uh, taking run in live action short, which on Gold Derby was listed in dead last, number fifteen. <laughs> Um, and I'm not sure why that was. I always thought it would get in, and I think that's that's great, uh, even though it does fall under the very depressing, you know, nature of that category, which live action short this year is not quite as depressing as usual overall, which is nice. Um, and the, the other was an international feature, Lunana, that as soon as I saw that, I just, I thought we'd get in. I was also thinking Plaza Cathedral could make the cut, but that obviously didn't happen. Um, I had predicted that... Um, that Flea would miss instead of a hero, which is a bit of a surprise, um, especially because I liked a hero a lot more than the salesman, which I know is an unpopular opinion in some ways. But I'm very happy to see Luna. I think it's a very pleasant and just heartwarming film, which you don't see all that often, and it's it's nice to see it included. Oh, Lunana? Yeah. Yeah, no, I actually really like that movie, So I and I I did predict it as well, but I biffed really hard because I thought I was being very smart and saying Flea was going to miss all three special categories and, and, and got all three. So I ruined my own predictions there. Claudia. Yeah. I mean, technically I didn't end up predicting her, but I'm very proud that in the Oscar convo with Nick, I mentioned Dench would get in and not balls. In the end, I backed out on it, but I shouldn't have. I was right. Manifested. Mm-hmm. You, you're. This is your fault. <laughs> Great. Um, your fault. You're out. Now we um, know. Now we know who to blame for it. Uh, um, I mean, it's the best performance in the film. So you know, changing, changing <laughs> predictions at the last minute is always a problem. I did that with King Richard. Took it out of editing, and I knew it was going to get in editing. But the thing was, I couldn't figure out what I should take out in order to like everything else seemed right to me. So I was just like, oh, okay, I'll just take it out. And lo and behold, I shouldn't have taken it out. Well, what happened with Licorice Pizza? Why did that just, I mean, it got director, but why is it only three nominations? It seemed like it was so much stronger than that going into today. That I would love to hear theories on this. I always felt it was more of an internet thing than a real thing. However, it's had sturdy legs at the box office and it was doing really well with precursors so it wasn't just the internet 
I mean, it's still got picture, director, and screenplay. That's definitely a movie that, to our the conversation a couple minutes ago about, like, what if stuff came out earlier in the year. If that comes out, like, like early, like, fall, late summer, like, and you just get to hang out with that movie, if it was on VOD and people were, like, doing their nominations, I kind of wonder how much differently that would have gone. Because it kept showing up everywhere, but not exactly in the same places, which is, like, broad support, but... Like, would Bradley Cooper have gotten in, or Alana Haim, with, like, a couple more months of it just being available? Movies never come out early. I personally feel Licorice Pizza didn't need to get any more than we got. <laughs> I feel the same way, however. That is a very unpopular opinion of mine. <laughs> I know. It's just going to make me sad that Paul Thomas Anderson is probably finally going to win his Oscar for one of what I think is his weaker movies. It's just a bummer. It's like, you know, the acting equivalent of when the actor wins for the not great thing. It doesn't usually happen that way for writer people, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I, I still think uh, Kenneth Branagh might pull that out. Especially because Belfast isn't going to win anything else at this point. Yeah. That's going to be its trophy. It didn't do well enough Knock elsewhere. On it's, you know. Knock on wood. Unless, unless it's number two in a lot of preferential ballots. I mean, but what do we have going against the power of the dog? Is there really a reason? You wrote about this in your in your uh, original 12 takeaways, Nathaniel, that there's – what does the power of the dog possibly have going against it at this point after today? Yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty miraculous. I did not expect it to have more nominations than Dune. I thought Dune would easily be the nomination leader. I think there's room for people now that it – it is the front runner, right? It's just the regular backlash. I think there are the people who haven't seen it yet will go into it and then they'll walk away saying like, I didn't think it was that great because they just want to be the person who says that. (laughs) Well, and also to be fair to people, the way people watch movies at home is to treat them like television and it is not a television movie. You called someone out for tweeting during it, right, Nathaniel? Well, I like my best friend, he, we, I, took him to see it in the theater, but, but we watch a lot of TV together and he literally will constantly be taking out his phone during movies. And I'll say to him, you know, cause I, I'll usually have seen the movie before. I'll be like, you're about to miss something really important. And he'll be like, Oh, okay. And I'll do it. But so like, but at a movie theater, he was, he was absolutely wrapped with attention and he just loved power of the dog. And then, so he keeps talking to people and they keep telling him, but it was so boring. And he, and he keeps saying to them, no, it was because you were playing on your, I really, really think that's what's happening to these dramas on Netflix. Cause it seems to happen to all of the dramas. Mm-hmm. People are like, that was so dull. Okay. And like dramas, dramas can be dull. Sure. Just like any genre can be dull, but you know, the great ones are still great. <laughs> it was not dull. I find it hard to relate to those people. That's just the problem of, self-discipline i'm sorry yeah. and you know it didn't it didn't hurt for what everyone says about the the effect of watching movies at home it didn't hurt power of the dog tonight no or today well it, well Water. i was gonna i was gonna suggest that a lot of them saw them at screenings but maybe that wasn't true this year yeah i mean there, there, there were screenings like i i had i attended a couple of them but um, but yeah, I wonder what the percentage wise, because it used to be like Academy members would show up at movie theaters and, and they, and by used to be, I just mean like two years ago, 
<laughs> you know, yeah, Quinn, I'm not Quinn talking Hansen about like ancient history. Like they would have but, these huge events, and like can I just, hundreds of uh, people would show up because the academy is so big nowadays. How much were those people that were going to the screenings representative of the actual body of the academy? Nine thousand people spread over the world. I'm not sure a couple of industry screenings in LA and New York are representative of the whole body. Well, I mean. No, they aren't anymore, at least percentage-wise, but it's still, like, the bulk of the membership is still L.A. You know, that's where the industry is located. And the Power of the Dog had the opportunity to screen a lot more because it premiered earlier. Yeah. Or Omicron. So I, I, I think that, that it had a leg up in that regard and that it was widely seen in public venues. And some of the later, or the movies that were released later in the midst of Omicron probably didn't benefit from that. Right. Although Drive My Car maybe did. Well, Drive My Car is another one. And sorry, Claudio, you're going to say it's all about discipline, but I don't think I would have made it through that movie at home. I thought it was good, but I, I, I'm, still, I'm still a little mystified by people saying it's like the greatest thing that ever happened. But I did think it was good and I was fully and I was never bored, but it was three hours long. So like, I felt I watched show at home. <laughs> Three hours is nothing. <laughs> I know, but but Claudio, you have to realize you, you I know. realize you aren't representative of the norm. Oh, I know, and I wasn't ex- I wasn't expecting it to do so well. Yeah. So like, I think that's kind of. I mean, Drive My Car's only been like it's only been in theaters. Um, I'm sure they have it on their you know Academy screening or whatever, but I wonder about that one. Well, yeah. I did watch Drive My Car at Home, and, you know, per the, the, the typical sin, I did pause and may have watched in, in separate chunks. But it, to me, it wasn't because it's so long and because not that much happens. It didn't feel it, it didn't feel like it was interrupting the experience. Every, you know, hour long chunk, let's say, that I watched felt self-contained enough that I was able to get into it and it was still immersive. OK. That's you watched it at Home, Nick. For the first time, right? I watched it at home for the first time. The second time I got to see it in the theater, I can't remember now. If I I think I did watch it in one chunk at home because I was like, I have a horrible habit of starting movies at a time where I think, oh, I won't go to bed. It'll be fine. And then I like have to pause halfway through and go to sleep. I won't touch them for like a couple days. So it's like, no, this is gonna go in one sitting. And I I still. I think I liked it about the same both times, but it did hit a little bit different just being in a theater and like not even just not playing on my phone, but like, you know, I have three roommates and not exactly the thickest walls. So it's like, oh, it's just a different level of non-distraction. I think seeing it in a theater made me appreciate what its strengths were and maybe the things about it that it's like, oh yeah, that's why... I'm not going to give it like five stars, but it's still like really good. And I'm going to root for it because it's like cool that this is actually doing numbers. Um, like it's very fun to compare like at the think like the start of can and it's like, oh, maybe Titan is going to happen. And it's like, no, we're going to pick something for a different kind of car movie this year. <laughs> different kind of car movie. Although, Claudio, you mentioned in a text earlier yeah. that it's like, well, what if we let Hidetoshi Nishijima recreate the Titan car scene? And it's like, you know what? Best of both worlds. That should have been his best actor campaign. I agree. He would have gotten in. My, my mom was uh, apparently as confused Titan would drive my car. 
<laughs> so that's why she's been avoiding Drive My Car because she thinks it's the car fucking movie. <laughs> but today I got I cleared things up. My my family lives very far from me, so I, I I never get their input on movies. But I did the the rare times where I have seen them around the Oscar time. I have been. It's interesting to see how people who aren't movie obsessed react to to things. And I knew Imitation Game was going to do well because my whole family was like, that was so good. And I was like, really? Like, I mean, it's, it's a decent movie, but like they were they were kind of really into it, which kind of surprised me. So um, and I have a friend here in, in New York who his parents live in Long Island and he judges he does all his Oscar predictions based on what his parents, how his parents. <laughs> <laughs> They're a good barometer sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anonymous voters. Yes. <laughs> I literally like a couple days before, a couple days before today, um, my dad was talking about all the movies that he watched with his parents while he was visiting them. And they were all talk like we were, we used to watch Eyes of Tammy Faye before we left and we were like still talking about Jessica Chastain like the next morning. And it's like, oh, oh cool. <laughs> so that's interesting. Like I didn't predict her in the end, but it's like, you know what? Maybe that will happen, which I am happy for her. I'm so glad she made it in. She's been snubbed before, but most violent year. I love that film. It's like, this didn't need to happen to her again. She should have won for that one. And it's nice to see her get in for some, like, the past couple years for her have been very, like, strong corporate woman doing morally ambiguous things. And here she's just kooky and there's still some gravity to it, just given the scenario. But it's it's nice to see her play something more adjacent to um, her character in the help again. Yeah, that and was very fun. I still am going to argue. I think she has a shot at winning. I really do. Yeah. I really do. Despite the fact that the movie's so small and like it's other actors love that performance here in L- here in LA. Abe, I don't know if you ran across this, but it's like people really <laughs> do. It is they get how hard it was what she did. Uh, they get it. And I don't know. I think in this like total topsy turvy best actress year, it's not out of the question. I don't feel strongly that she's gonna win, but I do think she has a shot. I think, I think everyone has a shot. Like, yeah, I think all of them could. Le- legitimately, at least for today, <laughs> yes. legitimately feels like a five way race, which is so exciting. I mean, we get we get three way three way races occasionally. Sometimes two-way races. Um, Wasn't last year sort of a five-way race in Best Actress also? Uh, I think it was four-way last year. Yeah, Vanessa Kirby. Yeah, Vanessa Kirby was was not going to win anything, but everybody else did win something. Right. And so it'll be interesting. Like, if SAG goes a different direction than, you know, Nicole Kidman. I just want Gaga to win Critics' Choice, SAG, and BAFTA, so we know nothing (laughs) going in. I mean, anyone can win BAFTA and we won't know jack shit. <laughs> of course. <laughs> right, with, like, not things not being broadcast now, with, like, Globes not being broadcast, and it's before, you know, there was that pattern, right? Like, if somebody won that Golden Globe early and they gave the killer speech, it was like, okay, they just sealed, like, a win there for themselves, probably. But yeah. we're not seeing that now, so... The Olivia Coleman phenomenon. Mm-hmm. 
it's kind of exciting to see like it's and I felt I feel that way about all the acting races there's at least a two-way race in every category so there's no like Daniel Kaluuya or you know somebody who's like one just know that it's gonna so at least there's a two-way race everywhere and and you you really think with supporting actor yeah like it's her I think he could win. Yeah. I yeah. think that he uh, he could win. I'm not a fan of Coda, as I know many people are. I think it's so not. Yay! Are my people? <laughs> I think it's so bad. I just couldn't even believe it. The middle of that movie, when there's that montage of like, let's make sure you know where all the subplots are. So I'll drop in this little montage to let you know it's all along. Eric, don't you know that was better writing than Tony Kushner's West Ed Story? For <laughs> Oh, poor passing. So it's, but I, um, yeah, I think, I think Troy Kotzer might end up winning. I, I want to think it's going to be Cody for sure, but I don't know. It's, I think it's going to be irresistible to not give that award to him. Yeah, I'd put money on Troy Kotzer, honestly, as the winner. Just because I think, like, plus that award doesn't usually go to somebody so young as Cody. Like, I think that's really unusual. And the one time it did, the people references ordinary people um, where he was the lead. I mean, so, like, it's not the same situation. I think Troy Kotzer's the heartwarming piece of that movie. And also, that's the only place that's potentially going to win. And I think people are really going to like it. So I, I feel pretty strongly that he's going to have a very strong month coming out. <laughs> I was doubting uh, Cody all season until my dad watched Far of the Dog and couldn't stop talking about Cody. Ooh. And is Dunst going to get supporting actress? I was going to say, I think DeBose is more of a lock than Smith. Like, I think they're both going to win, but I think I would maybe just bet on her more. But, um, I keep hearing Will Smith might not be winning. Do you just mean... L.A. Chatter. L.A. Chatter. Yeah. I think with Cumberbatch and Garfield, you have like super passionate people for their performances. And I really like, I just don't know that people are like passionate about Will Smith in that movie in the same way that they are about Garfield and Cumberbatch. And I think that's a legit three-way race. I would be very surprised by Garfield after today, but I'd be thrilled. I just don't, he just doesn't have the same support for his film. Yeah, I I just feel like Tick, Tick, Boom, it's, I mean, I always worried it was too niche for, um, however, I do think it came in 11th for Best Picture, because I think that Best Editing nomination is was a very key nomination. Um, but it just always seemed more niche to me, even when I was watching it and loving it. I was like, I'm a Broadway nerd. Of course, I'm going to love this. And not everybody is really into like, let's put on a show. I mean, it felt very retro golden age Hollywood in that way. Like it's, it's sort of like, it almost felt like Anne Hathaway as a movie. <laughs> like that, whole, that whole like try hard, like theater kid type of thing that people always complain about that felt like the whole movie to me. That performance, the Garfield performance, is the one that's saying to actors who want to hear this that what they do matters, that making art matters, that being a creative person and waking up every day and committing yourself to that, whether you're getting jobs or not, is important. And there's something that has really connects with actors about Garfield, and particularly in that role, and he's super well-respected beyond that. And um, I don't know. I feel the same people who were saying Will Smith has it in the bag or the people who were saying Lady Gaga had it in the bag. 
So I um I don't think he does. And Garfield's been com- campaigning a lot too. I don't think Will Smith has been campaigning as much, but he probably doesn't have to. But I know Garfield and Cumberbatch have been campaigning a lot. Yes. Um, I do want to, like, I don't know if anybody has any feelings about this, but I did want to ask you guys how you feel about the sort of complete schizophrenia of the media when it comes to covering the Oscars. It's like, on the one hand, everybody's constantly, constantly like, oh, they're becoming irrelevant. They need to embrace, you know, big movies. And then in the same token, everybody's like, yay, when, like, Drive My Car happens or like worst person in the world happens or and I'm like I I just feel like the media doesn't I I realize the media is made up of lots of different people lots of different voices but I feel like it's constantly sending out two completely polar opposite messages and doesn't seem to be aware that it's sending out both of those messages at once yeah like what happened to spider-man people were going on and on like a month two months ago about spider-man I haven't heard one person talk about it today and even even no time to die would have filled that void, which was a lot more realistic. Not that no one's expecting it, but that still didn't. It still barely registered, given how well it did on the shortlists. But like, didn't Dune also fill that void, like from the start, which just yep. seemed taken for granted the whole time, or is it just like, oh, this looks good. This can't be for the people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nick, I think you're right. Dune was just taken for granted. Listen, the giant worm is for all peoples. The giant worm <laughs> is for everybody. Uh, that's, you know... The giant worm is a cameo. Come on. Okay, but, like, it's a star. Like, Bradley Cooper's... Like, at, Licorice Pizza's full of cameos, and everyone went crazy for that. That got in this picture. They could have put the, the worm in Licorice Pizza. They could have found room for him. I don't... It's bizarre that Villeneuve is not nominated when every single person that he told what to do got nominated. Well, no, not the actors. Them, he told them what to do. But, ah... Uh... It's not good, but I had <laughs> to say it. it. That reminds it. me of when everybody was thanking George Miller when Mad Max was winning all the technical awards. I was like, George Miller, how can he not win? And then in Aritu won, it was like really, really obnoxious about it. Like, everybody loves this George Miller guy. Give it to the one who obviously inspires such... Yeah, I mean, that will homes. never... That will never not be upsetting since Enyoritu had just won the year before. Had one, yes. He had just won, so it wasn't even like for, for a depressing reason. Right, and with the Villeneuve snub, it's like I just think about Arrival and the fact that Amy Adams didn't get in. It's like this guy makes great movies. It's obviously a very collaborative experience and good one for everybody. And I just it, I was I would have expected you know uh, Ronag or Spielberg or somebody more likely to miss ahead of him certainly. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're waiting for part two. Yes. That was my theory. Kind of how, like, didn't Peter Jackson miss on the second Lord of the Rings? But he got in for the first. But I think back then, when Lord of the Rings came out, people weren't doing that. Like, let's make three movies at once. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, he didn't even make two movies at once. Right. (laughs) But now it became such a thing where everybody expects everything to be, like, a TV series only on the big screen. Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to have multiple episodes of it. Um, I had been prepping, you know, a couple like articles and like trivia things before the nominations in case, and I had to, you know, chop out a couple of them for people who didn't get nominated, of course. Um, and one thing I discovered was that uh, Denis Villeneuve, he, he was going to be the, the, well, there's only been nine Canadians uh, 
who've been nominated for best director and uh james cameron's the only one who's won so i thought it was interesting maybe hamaguchi's only the third japanese director i believe and this tied the record for uh for Japanese films with four nominations mm-hmm. with Ram back in 1985. So that's yeah. crazy. Also yeah. a three-hour epic. <laughs> and from a statistics point of view, which I know Eric isn't too big on, I was I was I was saying to somebody yesterday that Amor was the last film that managed to get into be- the last foreign film that managed to get into best picture without widespread, you know, precursor uh gains. And so I think that was very interesting. It makes a lot of sense. And I feel like as from what I remember in 2012, which as we know was a completely shocking year, especially with the director lineup uh, in a great way of like surprising and interesting, but also terrible in retrospect in some ways um, that, you know, I, I think a more wasn't, you could see drive my car coming more. I think a lot of people weren't sure it would happen, but we all talked about it. We talked about the fact that it could happen where I think a more sort of came forward much, much more unexpectedly. Well, I have to say my, my takeaway on the drive my car thing is more that I'm shocked that parallel mothers and worst person in the world managed to register at all. Because, you know, I've complained about the homogeny of critics awards before, but like this year was especially crazy. Like they literally, they were like, fuck everything with subtitles except for drive my car. Like every single group was like drive my car, drive my car, drive my car until that was all you were ever hearing about. And I really thought, oh my God, this is going to kill worst person in the world's chances because it needs, it's like not, you know, it's not a, it's not a, like a period drama. It's not like heavy, you know, thematically in ways that Oscar would normally respond to. It's by, you know, young people and identity. And like, it, it just seems like it really needs critical support. And then it just, and everybody only wanted to talk about drive my car. So I mm-hmm. was kind of surprised that parallel mothers and worst person did well. Right. You were also predicting a hero for best director for a while, right? Yeah, I was, but that didn't let that go a while ago because I just didn't feel it like people weren't jumping on that train. And I really thought that Farhadi had the momentum. I think had it been as better than Salesman, for example, I think it could have had the momentum of his career going for it. But it seems to me like diminishing returns. Like he, he has a very specific thing he's doing. And the first time was a like the first time that, that America caught wind of it was like a masterpiece. <laughs> and then the second one was super good. Uh, the, the second time Americans tuned in. And then this third time is like, good. Are we not counting the past? Or everybody I just knows. I feel like that did, people didn't. I did love a hero. No, it's, it's totally a good movie. It just, it just like, I just Rubbish. didn't feel people getting excited about it. Yeah, I know what you mean, though. It's very similar to those other two in a way that's hard to pull. Like, you know, again, I just always want to stick up for it because it's easy to take for granted the level of artistry going on in that movie and what he's doing because he does it so well and because he's done it before. But yeah, um, well, it's, I mean, the, I, it's the same problem Almodovar has, right? It's like exactly people love the movies, but they don't necessarily like you know, where's his screenplay nomination? You know, where? <laughs> like, I'm also not convinced that Parallel Mothers would have gotten in because if you're going to snub Volver, they're, all bets are off. Like that, you know, I, uh, not that The Good Boss had any chance whatsoever. I had that in 15th for, uh, I think, for my predictions for 
that was just a strange, a strange selection. You know, the average voter is not talking about this in the way that we talk about it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? No one's, all these people, when it's like they were overlooked, like these voters are not saying, oh, Nicole Kidman wasn't nominated for birth. They're not <laughs> saying that. They don't know if she was or she wasn't. They're, you know, it's just they're, they don't hold all those facts in their head. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's why even the Olivia Coleman thing, right? Like, yes, she just won. Could she win again? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So it's a, there isn't that kind of sense that we think there is. Of, you just said uh, in your Itu, I mean, same thing, you know? It's, and sometimes, you know, we talk about this all the time. When they love you, they love you, you know? I mean, that's the Bardem thing, right? I really, I liked being the Ricardos just fine. And I was so happy to see Javier Bardem again on screen. I'd really missed him. And I think he's good in it. I do. I don't think he should have been nominated for an Oscar for it, but I liked him. But like, they love him. You know, it's like, if they can vote for him, they're going to do it. Judy Dench, if they can vote for her, they're going to do it. And, you know, they don't care that um, they, how many times they've been nominated before, if they want, you know, they just, they just like them. Do you think the same sentiment could apply to Penelope Cruz? Do you think that could have helped her? I mean, obviously she's she's more well known, and so if you're looking at um, you know uh, international films with um, actors actresses, I mean she's going to be top of the list because she's an Oscar winner. Yep, and we've met, like we haven't seen her either, and I think that was part of the joy of Parallel Mothers, right? Is like, oh my God, I really missed her. And you know, and you know they love her. her. her and, yeah, and her and Pedro back together. You know. her and Pedro back together. Nobody brings out what in her what he does. You know, so it's it's all that lightning in a bottle. But yeah, I I think missing people was, is crucial. Do you know? I so do think maybe some people should take a few years off then. Yeah, I, think don't <laughs> some people I think that's part of don't look up. I mean, I think it's absurd, but there was a joy in seeing like Leo had been away for a little while. Je- Jennifer had been away along and like, I was so happy to see Jennifer, you know, mm. so it's, she doesn't have that much to do in it, but, and she was smart. She went away for a while and, you know, there's a joy in that you just rediscover them again. There was some critics group, I don't remember which one it was, that I remember you wrote that when a foreign film wins their best picture prize, they don't give out a foreign film prize. They give out a best English language prize if that happens. LA. Right. LA. Okay. And I, it's, to me, it's interesting because it we're talking about like Flea getting these three uh, nominations. To me, it's a disappointment because it's an opportunity to, to recognize a variety of films and to put them, give them a certain spotlight. I know that me, I go and I seek out the films that are on the shortlist to see them specifically. I don't see a lot of documentaries, but I saw all 15 that were on the shortlist. Same thing with the international films. I see what I see, but it, uh, it's more like that. And so what is obvious, it does seem to be becoming a trend after Honeyland and Collective. And I feel like this is just going to keep happening more and more to the point where we're going to get so many things that I would have loved I think Flea is very good, but I would have loved to see Bell. I'm not sure what happened with The Rescue. It was this year's must-snub documentary, like the other ones, you know, from previous years. Um, and I the just, rescue. you know. The Rescue, no? Hmm? The big snub documentary, it was The Rescue, no? Yes. That's yeah, what, that's yeah. The Rescue, yes. Yeah. So I, I just, I think it's, it's, I wish there was an opportunity for more. And I'm also not sure, I know that people like when, let's say, an animated film 
like Toy Story 3 gets nominated for Best Picture because it means it's that much better than an animated film. It deserves, you know, I don't know if there should be this, do we need this distinction, but it's the same reason that we don't have gender, you know, that we don't have non-gendered acting categories because we might end up with what we have in Best Director, which is almost all males every year. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm up two minds with this because in a way it's really exciting for Flea and that's a good movie. But I agree with you because it's like I, I love that these specialty categories highlight things that don't get spotlights on them. So, if, so, so there's like, you know, two less of those movies this year because Flea is in each of those categories. But on the other hand, enough, not the, the general public probably doesn't pay enough attention and they might pay attention noticing that it's in three places. So. Although both Collective and Honeyland lost both of their bids in the past. So there's, in a sense, no reason to expect Flea to win any of them because you feel like, oh, it'll win one, whatever, or it wins all three, which also feels wrong somehow because it's not recognizing any films, as happened with our Team Experience Awards. Yeah. Speaking from a non-American perspective, where awards sometimes really matter for distribution, I get what you're saying about Flea. And I, I, you know, I love spreading the wealth. At the same time, with these three nominations, I think maybe it can get a Portuguese distribution that mm-hmm. it hasn't gotten yet. You know, because the three nominations put such a focus on it. No, it's a, I mean, it's a good point. It's like any focus these, but I, I, I think that's the thing is, it's like, it's kind of like the, <laughs> you're in the desert and you're starving. You need just a little bit of attention, just a little bit of water, and then yeah. like, please drink up all the water. So I was, I was actually kind of surprised that. I, when I was predicted, I I knew it was a huge risk to predict it would get snubbed everywhere, but I thought it would be like, it's starting to be where people would resent it. Like, oh, I'll let the animators take care of it. Like, I have this documentary I'm passionate about that I want to vote for type of thing. And I thought that was going to happen in each category. That was way overthinking it, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Cool that we're even in an era where that is possible to happen. Like there's a very likely you were like what you're saying about Honeyland getting stuck in one category or none or collective not happening in anywhere. And it's like, well, I'm not going to be super snippy about that because Romania has never been nominated before. Right. So like, why the fuck not? And it's, would it have been cool if Bell made it or if like prayers for the stolen or like whatever favorite, whatever category. Yes. On the other hand, there's a film that has done this really weird thing. And that's, if there's something that unique that is able to achieve that, why not? I think maybe another way to think of the, or an extension of that is I would for once like to see a documentary, like get in editing or get in picture. Like I don't mind the breaking out of that sort of ghettoization. If it can recognize really interesting or like, you know, worst person in the world got a screenplay nomination and we're not going to sit here and feel bad for Aaron Sorkin about it. We're not going <laughs> to feel bad if, this sort of hyper-focused attention can lead to more international features getting wider recognition. Like, there's, you know, is Flea the only non-English language, like, animated feature nominee? That's pretty cool. There's an argument both ways. I mean, Abe, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but it's a really good, smart argument for sure. Yes, it is. Before we go, can we just um, just have two minutes to talk about the Ruth Nega of it all? <laughs> we already posted a big, <laughs> a big everyone crying about it. Everybody. 
is like that's where I was dead wrong. Like I was right about actress, but I thought there was no way she was missing. No way. I just don't understand. Like if you wa- I, I, if you watch that movie, voting for her, it doesn't make any sense. And I just guess it's like the people. Is it just that people didn't watch it? Because I know for me, I will be honest. I it was a homework movie for me. I only watched it like three weeks ago, and um, was really taken by it. So I'm thinking, like, did everybody think it was a homework movie? Did people not watch it? Do you think that's what it is? Well, I, I think that type of movie needs more critical support than it got. And, you know, you're t- like, it horrifies me to hear it described as a homework movie because I, I feel I felt such joy watching it because it's just so fascinating and well-made. And whenever anything's that like that, I just feel great watching it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's more of like, it's it's just always the danger. And this is why, you know, you were talking about like, you shouldn't predict from statistics because things have changed so much. And that's why I really thought she was going to get stumped because people have abandoned that movie so much. And I'm like, and if you're the only person from a movie, it's just really hard to get nominated. Um, and, but I, I trusted, I was just like, no, she keeps showing up. So she's going to make it. But now I'm like, of course, I should have stuck with it. Although, I mean, to me, she should just have the stature that it's like, it's one of those rare years where it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever. Just hand that person the statue and like maybe add other nominees to a different category. You know, like it's just so, <laughs> far, it's just so far above what anybody else accomplished this year mm-hmm. that I just, you know, I would have been tempted to write her name down five times is what I'm saying. Yeah. I would I would group her in the film in with Mass also. Those are two films that I know I saw a full year ago at Sundance. I don't think a lot of Oscar voters watch movies only at Sundance and then don't watch them again. So that's probably not the case. But they're films that should have done well, had a relatively decent distribution, but they just didn't show up big enough at any place. That Ruth was getting in a bunch of places and got in a couple places, Jason got in a few, whatever, but neither film, they needed a lot more in a lot more places. Um, and that's where you don't necessarily need precursors, but you need a precursor presence of some sort. And so even Nightmare Alley, which was a bit of a surprise for Best Picture, was showing up places, whether it's guilds or whatever. And so I think that without that, there just wasn't enough for either of those films. And that's a disappointment to me because I like the idea when you have somebody who's just there for that's the only representative of a film. And I think the only acting nominee that's the case is uh, Kristen Stewart. I think every other yep. film has something else. And it's almost nicer when there's more than that, even though it's not a lot of sport film, that at least it's a way even just to get people to do these homework films, as you say, to be able to go and seek out these films as a result of the performances. Well, because I, I think some there's been so many great performances over the years that were the sole nominee from their movie. And I just like I I feel like bad for baby cinephiles or whatever for you know historical purposes like you know if you're like so many of us that where you were like when you're young and you like learn about movies and you get excited about them and you're like oh what was nominated for the Oscar this year I'm gonna watch that and then there's just so many great things that I would have never been in the history books unless they got these like weird solo nominations you know. Mm-hmm. So I always think, think think that it's again the spreading the wealth conversation, but well, that's why 2007 was so exciting. I know many lone, oh my god, and now there are podcasts about lone acting nominees and you know discovering them and following. 
I just wish, you know, I, I don't know how you all feel about Netflix and, you know, The Lost Daughter and Power of the Dog and Passing, and it's great that people have access to those films, but I feel like, I mean, what did Netflix do for Passing? It seems like all the evidence from what I can collect from my little self is that this was just a movie that people either weren't watching or didn't seek out or was not presented to them as a mandatory or even a recreationally valuable thing, um, which is just sort of weird. And I understand that Netflix has a lot of things in the air and will just drop the ball but it, or, like, can't get everything in, but it's like, why is it... Yeah, I mean... Why it, this? Like, I, under, I, I I get that this is a weirder movie than tick tick boom but like you're not even going to sell it on that yeah i mean it's just like all of the studios have that problem essentially in that you know they all try initially to put out feelers on all of their slate and then they usually toss everything to the dumpster except for what they really think is going to take off Mm -hmm. um it's just the nature of the beast but it's frustrating when you feel like at least for me i felt passing was other than power of the dog like way up there and should have been like a focus um before we before we wrap up um do i would like to hear from everyone what is the one category that you're most excited to see the outcome of and one other thing that made you really happy about the nominations that we didn't mention why don't we start why don't we start with euro cheese um actress for sure is the thing that i want to see and and kristen stewart being there was my uh was exciting for me and also Penelope Cruz. I think that whole category uh, was just really interesting and so very excited to see how that turns out. And what's your suspicion at this point? I'm wavering. I, I'm slightly leaning towards Kidman, but um, I could see Coleman, I could see Stewart, so I don't know. And Mark? Well, I would say I, I sort of predicted this, that Nightmare Alley would overperform, and it did. Um, I think it's, I mean, Across the board, really beautiful, regardless of how you feel about the film. I'm really excited to see Jane Campion win, honestly. I mean, I know it's sort of a fate accompli, especially with um, uh, Denis Villeneuve off, off the, um, out of the category, but I want to see her win that Oscar. I think that would be incredible, two years in a row, female directors. And also see her, hopefully Steven Spielberg jumps up and gets her a standing ovation since he beat her the last time. <laughs> True. Abe? Um, I was very excited to see Writing with Fire for Best Documentary. Uh, that was a film that really impressed me when I did my, uh, I guess you would call it homework watching. Um, and I, I did not expect it to get in, but I think it's a very good documentary. And I'm, especially because it's a big, like, social change movie, I think it'll be good uh, for it to get more visibility. And uh, category wise, I think Best Actress is the one to watch. And I am, I'm not sure I ever really deviated from Stuart. Um, I guess if she wasn't going to be nominated, I didn't think she was going to win. But I think, uh, which makes sense, right? Uh, but I, I think I said Gaga would win. So now I'm back to Stuart, clearly. <laughs> it's so funny on the internet how everybody goes from lock to lock to lock. It's Gaga. Mm-hmm. Gaga's lock to win. And I never said it was a lock. No, I just thought I'm it was saying, Gaga. It's, yeah, it's like every week there's a new lock. There were a lot of tweets about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Claudio? Best Actress certainly is a category I'm most interested in seeing the outcome of just because it seems so so rich with possibility. And right now I don't really know who I think is going to win, which is why it's so exciting. 
maybe I'll say Coleman right now, just because that film overperformed somewhat mm-hmm. what I was expecting. It was embraced by both writers and the acting branch, which is the biggest branch. You know, everybody loves Coleman. So. I really wonder how close Maggie Gyllenhaal got. I know. Yeah. Hey, um, that's what I was thinking too. As far as thing, other things that I'm excited about that we didn't mention, I'm very happy that Alberto Iglesias got the nomination for an Almodovar film at long last. Uh, and I'm really happy for Cyrano, uh, <laughs> best costume design. So since you just brought up the visual stuff, I said my category that I'm most excited of is all of the visual craft categories because I can't figure out who's going to win. Is it going to be Power of the Dog? Is it going to be Dune? Is it going to be Cruella? <laughs> is it going to be a mix, mix of things? Like, I'm really excited to see how some of that turns out. So, but we still have two more. Nick? Yes. Um, everybody said actress as the most interesting category. I agree. I don't know who... I My heart, I want to say Coleman or Cruz, but I think it could be any of them, and I'd be relatively happy. Um, I would also say adapted screenplay. I kind of think I don't know exactly how that's going to turn out, and that's really a four out of five super strong bunch um the one thing double back to the um topic we had earlier i think i had buckley listed the highest and we had the whole like where's the site critic and supporting actress so i screamed very happily about that and then i was very terrified about judy dench um that was my high point and what else? I'm very excited to see if Lady Gaga is going to wear her, like, Sharon 85 fuck you dress. I think that's what I'm most looking forward to, actually. And maybe to echo something Claudio said earlier, just generally, I think this is such a better lineup all across the board than it could have been, even if there are things that I'm sad aren't there. But, like, this is a... I am excited about this lineup, which is something I was prepared to not say. Like, what a good... Pretty good year, I might say. And Eric, I know you need to leave and we need to wrap up. So I got nothing new. I agree with everybody. Obviously, the best actress race is the race. I love all five of those performances. I think they're incredible. If I were to rewatch any movie, I would be like, I hope she wins. And that <laughs> is a great, and I've never, ever, ever had a year where I would be equally happy with all, with anybody winning. There's usually always one turd in there. And um, it just, Wow, what a crazy embarrassment of riches. So right mm-hmm. now I'm going to say it might be Olivia Coleman, but tomorrow it'll be a different answer. And I agree with Mark on the joy for me will be watching Jane Campion win. I just, I yes. can't believe a director that idiosyncratic is going to win an Oscar. It's insane. And it's really comforting, deeply comforting for my soul. Thank you so much for all of your input on this very exciting day. I've, I've, it's been a very long day. I'm very tired. I'm going to sleep for many hours now. <laughs> um, but we'll be hearing uh, from all of you again this season. Oh, yeah.